0: So the next thing we're going to do is just in a short period of time, another 15 minutes or so, just try and process 2019 in a conversation with, with God. Um, so again, if it can appear on the, the screen Um, That would be amazing. Um, Framing thoughts, Psalm 139, sorry. Um, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Um, So what we're going to do is essentially just bring our lives before God. um, And at this threshold marker before 2020 begins, just say, Lord, would you search my heart? my mind, my innermost being and speak. If there's any way in me which isn't in alignment with your will, your ways, um, your kingdom, then just speak and um, redirect my thoughts, my desires, my longing, the whole of my being towards you and your kingdom. That's what we're going we're gonna to do. Um, Socrates once said this, the unexamined life isn't worth living. Um, there's something about slowing down to process your life well. Um, We're going to be looking at the prayer of examine, which is uh, an amazing tool taken from Ignatian spirituality and where every day they end the day and they just process that day. What was good? How can I give thanks? What wasn't so good? How can I repent and turn towards Jesus? How can I press reset and ready myself for the new thing God wants to do tomorrow? Um, And in moments of transition, Um, examining your life in conversation with the Spirit. This isn't an introspective thing. Um, This isn't a passive thing either. It's not like going to the dentist and going, ah, and then the dentist does all the hard work. No, we're actively laying our lives before God and saying, God, speak to me. Speak to my mind, my heart. I want to process this year well. Um, I I think of like season changes or like year changes. You're closing the door on one season or one year um, and getting ready to walk through into the the new year. Um, And for some people, 2019's been a shocker and you're looking forward to closing the door, locking the door, getting the key and throwing it away. Um, And others are like, oh, it's with some sadness that I leave 2019 behind because it's been a cracker. Loved every moment of it. Um, Either way, we want to process the year well. Um, For two reasons, one, um Examining your life in conversation with the spirit um, is an opportunity for growth for spiritual growth but other forms of growth it's an opportunity to learn like what were the high points of 2019 like what went right how can you celebrate those moments chew on them savor them what can you learn like what why did that thing go so well was it a kind of a mindset that you had did you have sort of the right people around you you can examine the good things so that you can learn um from the good in your life as you step forward into new terrain um so it's a learning opportunity but equally it's an opportunity to learn from the mistakes I know in the business community, they talk about organizational insanity as doing the same things again and again and again, expecting fundamentally different results. And I think that's true of individuals. There's, when we don't examine our life, we do the same things again and again and again, and we're constantly surprised. I can't believe that happened. I mean, it happened every other time I did it, but I can't believe it happened this time. Um, but when you process like the disappointments, the wounds, the hits that you took in a conversation with God, it's an incredible moment for healing, for restoration, and for and for learning. So it's an amazing tool for growth. Um, But more than that, it's a tool for processing well, allowing your body, heart, soul, mind, strength to process what you've been through. Again, to process the good, to enjoy the little victories that you won, but equally the disappointment, the losses, rather than burying them, which is what a lot of us do, and it's what the culture really teaches us to do, um, is we bury them and we suppress the disappointments, the moments of grief, the losses, the wounds. Um, suppress literally means to press under so we push it down and as we go through a number of disappointments we push it down we push it down and layers of sediment form in your inner world that you're often unaware of but these layers build and they begin to suffocate and they begin to rob you of joy and rob you of life They begin to numb you. Um, And often if layer upon layer upon layer builds, there'll either be an explosion or an implosion. There'll be a moment where you can't take it anymore and all the stuff that's locked within will just explode out and you'll do something very silly, probably. Or there'll be an implosion and you'll hit self-destruct because you just can't carry all the stuff that you've been carrying. And this was the wisdom of Socrates and the Greeks of like, no, 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 examining your life. For them, they would miss out in conversation with the Spirit of God, but let's just add that. Examining your life in a conversation with the Spirit of God, like Psalm 139, is an opportunity to celebrate the good, to thank God, but to invite God into the wounds the losses and allow them to heal and restore so that you don't just build up layer upon layer of sed- sediment, but that you can actually live freely and expansively and, and full of life. Um, so the prayer of examine this is kind of, as I said, Ignatian spirituality. Um, this is what I'm gonna attempt to do in 2020. I'd encourage all of you to join me in this. Um, at the end of each day, when you're doing this regularly, it's five minutes of your time. I know you're very busy, but it's only five minutes of your time, um, is to remember rejoice, repent, and then reset remember, rejoice, repent, reset. Um, First thing is just to remember, to remember the day, what happened, the good, the bad, the ugly. Now we're going to do it for 2019. Um, So we're going to remember 2019. You should have a piece of paper, which is a timeline from January to December. We're only going to do this at kind of like bird's eye level. So like high level approach to 2019. We're not going to go into sort of week by week. And you can do that at home if you really want. Um, But we're going to remember. And again, this is a spirituality that you see again and again in the Psalms. me give you an example. And this time I do have the message translation, praise God. Um, So Psalm 5 on the left is the message translation, on the right is the NIV. Um, Listen, God, please pay attention. Can you make sense of these ramblings, my groans and cries? Just observe that. These are are ramblings that have been externalized into the presence of God. Not internalized, not pressed down and suppressed. No, these are rants that have been externalized um, towards God. King God, I love that. I need your help. Every morning, we're going to do it every evening, but anyway. Every morning, you'll hear me at it again. Every morning, I lay out the pieces of my life on your altar and watch for fire to descend. So like every day... I'm just going to lay out my life before you and trust that your fire will fall upon me to purify but to bring life, to revive my innermost being. Um, That happens when you actually remember. You stop, you lay it all out Lord, send your fire. Listen to this. This is Psalm 38 again in the Message Translation. What I do, God, is wait for you. Wait for my Lord, my God. You will answer. I'll wait and pray so they won't laugh me off, won't smugly strut off when I stumble. This is the Psalmist talking about his enemies. I'm on the edge of losing it. We've been there, haven't we? The pain in my gut keeps burning. I'm ready to tell my story of failure. I'm no longer smug in my sin and the Psalmist goes on. Um, Have you noticed that language? I'm ready to tell the story of my failure. In other words, I'm not just going to, you know, celebrate the success moments. I'm going to acknowledge I've really screwed up. I've really failed you and I've failed others. And I don't want to hide anymore. I'm ready to tell that story of my failure because I want to get right with God. I want to process life with him. Um, so there's something significant about remembering is we remember the good and we celebrate, but we remember the mistakes, the wounds, the losses, the failures, and we process it all in relationship with God. Um, and there's two sermons from Exodus um, from the life of Moses and these two sermons really bookend uh, Moses' ministry. The first one comes, um, the climactic moment where he gives the Ten Commandments um, and that's the sermon when he comes down from Mount Sinai and he, and he gives the Ten Commandments which are a pathway to human flourishing but listen to the language about the Sabbath. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy and then he goes on to explain but the key verb there it's a doing word is to remember I want you to remember this day it's a holy day six days God created the world and then he rested so the first day for humanity the seventh day um, we joined the story and there was nothing left to do just admire and appreciate God's handiwork. Um, and Moses is basically saying, this is the command from God. I want you to sort of rest on this seventh day. It's a holy day. It's a day to reverence God. But on this day, I want you to remember to look back at stuff that you weren't even a part of and to celebrate the activity of God. You know, that, that's why remembering is so important. Because as you look back on 2019, even if it was a shocker, you can look back and see if you plot it out, God was at work. And even if you don't want to celebrate your activity, there will be the activity of God in and around your life that is worth celebrating. And in the celebration, it builds faith. So as we draw our timelines at a macro level, we're basically looking back and saying, God, you were at work. I just thought it was a horrific year, but you've been at work and weaving your tapestry of the kingdom. And that brings joy um, as I just look at what you've done. That was the first sermon. And then the second sermon at the end of Moses' ministry, this is before they enter the Holy Land, the Promised Land. And remember, Moses doesn't make it into the Promised Land. He hands on the baton to Joshua, and Joshua leads the people in. But this is the final sermon of Moses, and he goes back to the Ten Commandments. Why? Because he so wants the people to flourish, and the Ten Commandments are a pathway towards human flourishing. Um, And he basically says the same thing about the Sabbath. Observe the Sabbath day, keeping it holy as the Lord has commanded you. And then he basically says... Says, remember that you were slaves so it's the same command but in the first sermon it's like remember creation God created the de- uh, the world in six days and then rested and the second time he preaches the sermon he says I want you to remember that you were slaves and you're now free in other words I want you to look back and yes look at the activity of God in, in your midst but but look at how you've been transformed and redeemed that your identity isn't in your productivity. Your identity isn't in what you do. That, that's how slaves operate. But you're not a slave anymore. So I want you to look back and just remember that like, you are free. Um, and, and God has formed you and is forming you into his likeness. You're not slaves. You don't need to eat the bread of anxious toil. You can feast on life in the kingdom of God. Remember your past and the pain of your past. I, I love what John Mark Comer says about the Exodus journey. He, he basically says freedom happens in a heartbeat, which is the, the Red Sea moment. Happens really quickly, but maturity takes a lifetime. Freedom can happen in a moment. Maturity takes a lifetime. Um, So as you look back, you might recognize that there are wounds that actually God is healing. Remember the low points in your year and actually turn towards Jesus. Remember that you were slaves, but you're not anymore. Remember that you did go through that, but God has lifted you out of that pit. He is in the process of redeeming your life. So we look back at the activity and we look back at the wounds and we invite God in. Um, so if you want to take your piece of paper um, and grab it and at a high level some of you might want to get your smartphones out um, and open up your calendar just if you need reminding of certain key moments if you check BBC Sport, BBC News, Guardian News we'll know about it and more than that, God will know about it um, be warned I'm obviously half joking um, but you, I'm going to give you five minutes and um, we might get some music just playing in the background again I loved that earlier just as we meditate here we go Um um, and just sort of January, just through to December just mark out some of the big moments. Your graph might look something like this. I just chose five or six events. January, the weekend away for me last year, was such a beautiful moment of God speaking to me personally, but for us as a church it felt very significant. Um, July, the first bit of my sabbatical, as I began to sort of get in touch with some of the toxic stuff in my soul from a place of rest, that was a low point. Um, But the second half of sabbatical as I experienced the inbreaking of God's kingdom into my life, not when I was in the midst of leading, just hanging out, that was such a joy. November, went through some stuff with a friend that was is just hard personally, and then you know, the carol service in this Christmas season, I've absolutely loved. Um, but you can do your equivalent. What were some of the real high points? Um, I've stolen this tool from the pattern um, process that we go through in our small discipleship groups. So basically, the higher the line, um, the bigger the the moment of victory or you know just a beautiful moment, the lower the line, the bigger the hit, the loss the wound. So some lines might be just you know not so high, other lines really high. Hopefully you get the idea. Um, I just want to encourage you five minutes what were the best and the lowest moments of 2019? my graph, there's just dots and lines, but you might want to sort of write a few notes by each one, just to jog your memory of what that event was. one or two minutes going through the year. And my encouragement, if you really want to go a bit deeper, is sometime between this moment and New Year's Eve, just spend a couple of hours doing this, maybe at a slightly deeper level. But like one more minute, just putting down on paper some of the key events of 2019. remember, we look back in order that we rejoice. Listen to these words. This is Philippians chapter four. Paul says to a church undergoing incredible suffering under that Roman persecution. He's writing this letter from prison himself, contemplating his own death. There's so much he could moan about Yet this is his encouragement, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice, sprinkle everything with thanksgiving. That's the encouragement of Paul. Sprinkle everything with thanksgiving. So as you remember, there'll be some events that are above the line. And you could take credit for that stuff if you wanted to. Or you could recognize that every good and perfect gift comes from above. That every blessing is is from him. And two things happen when you engage in a discipline of thanksgiving. The first one is it connects you to the giver. Like I, I love Christmas, it's so much fun. We've got three young kids, it's just, they get so excited. One of our kids last year actually vomited with excitement. It wasn't ill, they just so excited. His body couldn't cope, he just chundered just before bed. Anyway, that's a side point. Um, w- when you give presents to the kids, they, they grab the gift, don't they? Um, and there's something about that receptivity, they just grab the gift and that's amazing. But sometimes you have to teach them to say, say thank you. Remember to say thank you. And the reason we teach our kids to say thank you is is receiving the gift is one thing. But we all know that a gift is ultimately a demonstration of love. I want my kids to receive the gift, but I also want them to recognize the gift um, was a gift of love. So receive the love too. So when you say thank you, you basically recognize you gave this to me because you love me. And I just want to acknowledge that this gift came from you out of love. And I say thank you. That's why gratitude creates intimacy. Like the most grateful people I know are the ones that just enjoy intimacy in their friendships with those around them, but ultimately in their friendship with God. That everything that happens in their life that's good, they're like looking upwards, thank you, God, you are so good. And in the gratitude, intimacy forms. So every day, if you do the prayer of examining Examine, you're re engaging with Jesus and experiencing intimacy because you're looking upwards and saying, I received the gift of this great bit that happened in the day, but it was from you because you loved me. And I'm just going to receive the love too. So, firstly, gratitude creates intimacy. Secondly, it builds faith. It builds faith constantly in the Old Testament. You know, God speaks to his people and says, Remember, that I set you free from slavery in Egypt. Remember that I parted the waters. Remember that I overcame the giants in the land. And I want you to remember that I provided water in the wilderness. And I want you to remember that, you know, I enabled you to overcome the Midianites and and constantly look back, look back and remember. You know, the, the whole Passover was a looking back to remember that God had stepped in to deliver them and then the night before Jesus was betrayed he gathered with his friends to celebrate the Passover and then he redefined it and said when you break this body and when you drink this blood I want you to yeah okay I'll go for it remember I want you to remember because as you remember as you look back and see what God's done it builds faith if he's done it before he can do it again don't you think it's fascinating that literally the moment Jesus begins his journey to the cross, he's encouraging his disciples to enjoy this meal, to look back with this sense of faith that God's done it before, he can do it again. And over the next three days, he does it again and delivers them once and for all. Like we look back, we rejoice, we, we celebrate, we give thanks, an attitude, a mindset of gratitude because we want intimacy, but we want faith. We want to say, wow, God, you, you did that. And, and if you did that, then you can do it again. You can do it again. Like uh, I find myself in conversations with people that have stopped praying for certain breakthroughs in their lives, or the lives of those around them. And they basically say, I just don't have faith that this could happen again. And I often wonder whether it's actually an issue of gratitude. Like when did you stop giving thanks for the mini miracles? Because if you kept giving thanks, you'd be able to build on that and be like, he's done it before, he can do it again. He did that in 2019, he can do it again. And suddenly faith rises. Don't we want to be a community of like unbelievable white hot faith? That means we have to become people of gratitude. So anything that's above your line, I just want you to go through it and for a moment just savour it. It might be that you got a dream job or your sister got married and it was a a moment of celebration or you were reconciled with a uni mate after years of just sort of like aggro in that relationship and that reconciliation felt sweet or Liverpool are dominating the Premier League. It hasn't happened for many, many years and that just feels good. You know, you just find stuff and just like God, I turn upwards and say thank you that that gift is ultimately a demonstration of your love. And I I receive the gift, but I receive the love. And I want it to build faith that what you've done in 2019, you can do more of it in 2020. In my life, but in the lives of those around me. Can you just literally each point above the line, just savor it for a moment? Just chew on it, remember it. Like the wedding reception, the dance floor, where you were just pulling off moves that hadn't been seen before. or that moment just relive that moment where you got the email that you've just been given the promotion or that your friend experienced healing or that someone that you've been praying for for years came to faith just relive that moment and rejoice give thanks third step in the prayer of examine is, is we repent oh there we go um, now repent comes from this Greek word, metanoia, means to turn around. Um, And when people talk about repentance, more often than not, they're really talking about confession, um, the moment where you acknowledge sin and you come before God and say, I'm sorry. And because of the cross and what Jesus has done for us, that we know that when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So in a moment of confession, our sins are separated from us as far as the East is from the West. That's incredibly good news. Um, But repentance has a broader meaning than just saying sorry. Like when you review the day or review the year, you're not just looking for the moments where you did stuff and you need to say sorry. Um, When Jesus sort of like began his ministry, his central message was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, turn around for the kingdom of heaven is near. So yes, it's it's a moment of confession, the acknowledging you've been going in this direction and God's kingdom is in this direction. Um, so you need to close the gap and actually follow the way of Jesus. Um, so yes, it's confession and it's saying sorry. And, and some of us will need to do that as we look over the year. Like I was an idiot then when I said dot, dot, dot to my friend, I need to you know confess that. Um, but I want you to think broader than just saying sorry, just to sort of like turning towards Jesus. That's the best way to think of repentance, turning towards Jesus. So when Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he's like, come to me, like turn towards me, and particularly where it hurts most. Um, So there's so many stories in the Gospels, um, which are essentially stories of repentance, but we just don't read them as stories of repentance. So let me just read you one. This is Luke 9. So for those that have Bibles, you might want to turn to Luke 9. And this is a story of a miracle that takes place whilst Jesus is on his way to perform a miracle. So it's it's quite a fun one. It's a double whammy, basically. As Jesus was on his way to raise a girl from the dead, and this is verse 42. As Jesus was on his way, oh no, it's Luke chapter 8. Tell a lie, Luke chapter 8. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who'd been the subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped who touched me Jesus asked when they all denied it Peter said master the people are crowding and pressing against you in other words like there's hundreds of people around you anyone could have touched you probably said it in a lower voice but anyone any that's a ridiculous question anyone could have touched you there's a crowd pressing in on you um, but Jesus said, No, someone touched me, I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people she told why she had touched him and how she'd been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Um, why is that a story of repentance? Um, It's basically a story of someone that was in significant pain, not just physical pain, um, but with that condition in that age, that meant you would have been an outcast. You were ceremonially unclean and therefore ostracized from community and would have lived in um, isolation. Um, So basically, she brings her deepest wound towards Jesus That's why it's the story of repentance. She knows she's really hurting emotionally as well as physically and spiritually separated from the people of God. Um, And in her area of distress and disappointment and pain, she turns towards Jesus because that's what repentance is, turns towards Jesus. So this is part of what it means when you do do your timeline is where were you wounded? What in 2019 really hurt? And rather than sort of closing the door, locking the, the you know door and then throwing away the key on 2019, before you do that, what if you just recognize that really hurt? Maybe losing a loved one or being made redundant or a friend moving out of the city and you feel in the absence of, of that friendship. Or certain things will have happened that, that really cost you or hurt you or wounded you and you experienced that as loss, right? You could bury that. You could suppress it and sediment will form layer upon layer until there's an explosion or an implosion. And that might be in 10 years time, 20 years time, it might be in months. Um, But if that's your approach, I'm just gonna bury it. That's what will happen. Or you could recognize I was wounded, and the best thing I could do right now is in that place of pain, turn towards Jesus. Be like the woman who says, look, I know there's crowds, but I'm gonna get to the front And and I'm going to grab hold of Jesus, believing that he's the one that can heal me, set me free, redeem the past and open up a whole new future. So on your your timeline, can you just notice the points below the line? Um, Because we don't have ages, maybe just one or two of those points that are particularly low down. Um, And just for a moment, not in kind of self-pity mindset, but just sort of like explore that moment. What hurt? Why did it hurt? Were there any lies that you embraced about yourself in that moment? Were there any harsh words that were spoken over you or that you spoke over yourself as a result of that moment and those words have gone deep and stuck? Just name what happened, how it hurt you and what it's done to your soul and your innermost being. So, in other words we're going to confess it we're not going to speak it out loud but in our hearts and minds we're going to speak it out to Jesus and then in a moment we're going to invite the healing power of Jesus in for some of you might find it helpful just to make little notes on your timeline as you answer some of these questions where did it hurt did I bury it how did that moment affect me my confidence my sense of self this isn't an activity of wallowing by the way this is a moment of naming the wound so that we can bring the wound into the presence of Jesus now for this next song we're not actually going to sing along this is going to be the equivalent of ministry time So if you're new to KXC, here's what we often encourage people to do is to hold their hands out in a simple posture of receiving. Not because that's a magic formula, but because outward postures help us engage in inner realities. So as we open our hands out like a kid ready to receive a gift, we're basically saying, I'm presenting this stuff before you Jesus believing it, that you're the one that heals I'm like the woman bringing my pain to you touching the hem of your garment believing that you are the Savior who can rewrite the past and usher me into a new future and then as we have our hands are open we just wait to receive the grace the healing the redemption that's only available in Christ Jesus so Spirit of God would you fall in this place Thank you that the way you heal and restore as you jump into the pit, that you stand with us in the disappointment you weren't absent in those moments we were wounded, you were with us, but that it is your nature as a redeemer to lift us up out of the mud and the mire, to place our feet on solid rock, to begin to put a new song in our heart, the hymn of praise. So we invite you to come and do this across the room, Spirit. Minister to us, your people. Final thing then is we reset. So we've done the remembering, we've thanked God for the good, we've turned towards him in the stuff where it hurt. Um, And when you've done that, in other words, you've processed the year or the day, you're ready to actually leave it behind, not dwell on the past, but press on, to borrow the language from Paul in Philippians 3, press on towards what lies ahead. Um, And this is a beautiful verse maybe to reflect on Isaiah 43 as, as we end one year and get ready for the new one is forget the former things. Yes, celebrate all that took place. Remember all the God activity in the year, in and around your life. But don't dwell on that stuff. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. In other words, life is going to break out in 2020 um, and we need eyes to see it. Um, So now that I've just invited you to sit down, do you want to stand? Um, And we're going to close with one song. And this is an opportunity just to sort of like, yeah. Say whatever prayers you need to say as you reset. Um, And here's my encouragement again, if you feel like there's stuff that's just been stirred up as you've been reflecting on 2019, carve out a couple of hours between now and New Year's Eve um, just to do this in greater depth so that you can look back at 2019 not as sediment that you didn't want to process, but as a whole year that you brought into the presence of Jesus, thanking God for all the good stuff, turning towards him in the areas where it hurt. Um, And you can ready yourself for a whole Road of Kingdom activity in 2020.